So I'm sure once in a while you look back on the different chapters of your life. You know, you sort of look back and say, okay, this was a good time in life. This wasn't maybe so good a time. Or I look back at my childhood and my, my high school years, and I just had a great chapter of life. That was so much fun. I loved middle school, high school, even elementary school. It was just a lot of fun. Great chapter. I think about college, not such a great chapter. Um, I got myself into some trouble in some different ways, made some decisions that I kind of regret. Uh, didn't do so well relationally at that time and socially, just kind of struggled with friendships and all that. And so just went kind of through a hard time there. But right after college was a great chapter. I, I married Kelly, which is best decision ever made after following Jesus. And so great decision. And then if kids are an incredibly fun, awesome uh, chapter, my seven-year-old is, uh, this past week I had an interesting interaction with him. He's, he's really jacked. He's very strong. He's got all kinds of muscles bulging everywhere and he's got a six-pack. I'm like so jealous. And so uh, I went up to him the other day and I just was walking by and I just put my hand on his back and he's just bulging out. I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, Landon, you have just, like, such a strong back. It's so, so strong and hard and firm. And he just like leans over and pokes me in the back. He goes, yours is squishy. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going for, bud. Yeah, that's not my aim. Yeah, I work hard to keep up that squish. Um, and so kids is a great chapter. Um, ministry, this has been a fun chapter of life. I mean, you have really high highs, but really, really low lows sometimes, good days, bad days. But, but ministry overall has been a good chapter in life. And I'm sure as you think back on your life, you think about the different chapters, you say, yeah, that's a good one, that one's tough. And, and as you open up the Bible, the Bible's made up of verses and chapters and books, Right? And I think that there's a best chapter, okay? Lots of good chapters, lots of good things to look to. But the best chapter ever, in my opinion, is Romans chapter 8. And we started looking at Romans chapter 8 last week. And if you missed it, please check out the podcast. And I don't say that all all that often, but it was really foundational because we talked about something so important. We talked about the fact that Jesus frees us from condemnation and empowers us to live. And we spent most of the message on the first the first part of that statement. We talked about the fact that Jesus frees us from condemnation. And what that means is he doesn't judge you and me. He doesn't judge you and me for the wrong that we've done because Jesus was judged in our place. And so the the judgment that should have fallen on me and you fell on Jesus instead. And so we talked about how it's so important that we don't beat ourselves up. We don't judge ourselves. We don't let other people kind of beat us up, remind us of the mess that we are. Important also that we view God as not constantly trying to pounce on our mistakes and remind us of all the wrong we've done. And also important that we don't let the enemy whisper in our ear and tell us, oh, you're a mess up, you're a failure. No, we've got to remember that there is no condemnation for those in Jesus. There is no judgment. We are free and pure and holy in his sight. Now, I kind of left you with a cliffhanger, though, because the second half of that statement was that Jesus set us free, free from condemnation, but then this, but he empowers us to live. And I kind of teased you with this one a little bit and dangled it out in front of you because we didn't leave with an incredibly clear strategy to walk out and live an empowered life last week. All we knew, basically last week, was that Jesus' death on the cross should empower us, should motivate us, should make us go, I can't believe you did this for me, and now I want to live a new way. But how do we live the empowered life now? How do we live out the second half of this statement? Uh, The verse that I kind of left you with the cliffhanger was this. Verse 4 in Romans 8 said, Do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So, okay, what does that mean, right? What's the sinful nature and how do you live according to it? And what's the Spirit and how do you live according to that? Well, that's what we're going to look at here today because that's what Paul kind of left us with last week. Well, the sinful nature is that part of you and me that wants to do the wrong thing. It's that part of us that's drawn toward the wrong stuff, you know? This is the part of us that wants other people to fail, 
You know that part of you? You're like, no, I don't have that. Yes, you do. You have that part. That's part of your sinful nature. It's when someone else does something really well and you're like, oh man, I just hope that they fail this time. You know, like this is me out on the baseball field doing my best, striking out, and then the best hitter getting up and me slapping him five and saying, hey, go get him, man. And what I'm really thinking in my head is, hey, go strike out, man, you know, or even better, get hit by the pitch, man, you know. It's that part of you that wants the person to fail. And some of us look at people around us and we think, oh man, you know, they just got it so good, or they're so talented, or they're just so much better at that. I, I just want them to fail. Well, that's really kind of demented, isn't it, of us? And, and that's the part of the sinful nature that drags us down that road. Another example of the sinful nature is that part of us that wants to say something we know we shouldn't say, be it gossip, or be it a comeback, or be it a, an argument starter, or to keep that argument fueled. It's that thing we know we shouldn't say, but we are just like, I gotta get this out. That's the sinful nature part of us that's drawn to that. It's the, one, it's the part of us that maybe wants to keep looking at something we know we shouldn't look. It would dishonor our husband or our wife or our God to continue looking. Or maybe for some of you in the room, it would dishonor your future spouse, you know? And yet, that's the, there's that draw, like, hey, look at this. And, and it, it tries to, to sell this image to us like it's going to satisfy us in some way. Another example of the sinful nature is that part of us that holds on to a grudge, you know? Somebody did something to us, and we think, hey, I am entitled to be upset about this. I am right. They are wrong. And it's that part of you that says, hey, just hang on to that a little bit longer. You just, you, you're all right. You're all right. I know the Bible says this, and God says this, but, but you're okay in this. You're justified to hang on to that. That's the sinful nature. It's the part of us that is always trying to get us down the wrong road. Sometimes it's called the flesh, our flesh, that part of us, that, that part of our humanness that makes us make bad decisions against what God would have us do. And so we're going, all right, well, Paul here says, hey, don't live according to that sinful nature, but live according to the Spirit. Well, it's like, okay, great. I, I mean, Paul, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm trying not to, right? Like, I don't want to live according to the sinful nature. It always takes me places I don't want to go. It's always fun for a little while, but then I end up a mess. So how do I do this, Paul? How do I live according to the Spirit? Well, what he's saying here is that we're not to live according to those, those desires and those pulls in our lives, but we're to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what he means by, but live according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not just the human spirit. And so we saw last week that when you and I put our faith in Jesus and we're freed from condemnation and, and judgment, he puts the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so now what we have to figure out, and what Paul's going to help us figure out today, is how to live according to the Spirit, how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our lives, how to not give in to all the sinful struggles. And, and let me just say this up front, we're still going to sin sometimes. We're still going to fall short, right? And that's why it's great that there's no condemnation. But we should more and more see that we're changing, that less and less we're going to those old things, and less and less we're going to those old ways. But how? How do we do it? And let me say this just to be crystal clear too. When I'm saying that we should do things to honor God and not give in to sin, I am in no way saying that we earn our salvation by doing those things, right? I'm in no way saying, hey, God will like you more if you don't do those things. No, Jesus loves you and died on the cross in your place when you and I were at our worst, right? And so I'm not saying, hey, let's do good things so that God loves us. No, God loves you incredibly, so let's do good things, okay? And so don't get that backwards. But we're going to look here today and find out how we turn from some of the struggles that we find ourselves in that flesh, that sinful nature, that part of us that wants things God's, God doesn't want us to want, and, and more and more cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And, and it's good news that, that Romans 8 gives us several strategies. In fact, we're going to talk for the next three weeks about how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. 
how to turn our backs on sin, and more and more cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And today you're going to walk out here something incredibly practical. And I'm so glad that what Paul says is practical because we all struggle with those sinful nature areas. You know, we all give in sometimes. A few months ago, Kelly and I were dropping off our kids at school. We walked them into school. We came back out. And as we are coming back out to the car, I noticed that Kelly was walking to the wrong car. Okay, we have like just the coolest minivan. Everybody's got to have it, you know. And so she's walking to the wrong minivan. I'm walking to the right one. Now, the godly spirit in me said, you know, warn your beautiful wife here that this is a bad mistake. But the sin nature rose up and said, let it play out. And sadly, I gave in to the sinful nature, okay? And not only did I give in, but I, my sinful nature began praying. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it began praying, God, please let the, the door be open so she actually gets in, right? And so I'm actually praying and asking Jesus for this. And, 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 and somehow it came true because the door was open. I don't think God answered that prayer. I think that was human error. But she opened up the door and she got in and she sat there for a minute and then realized, this is not my car. And she got out and I was hysterically laughing at what had just happened. So the sinful nature, unfortunately, sometimes we give in. But sin has a way of getting back at us, doesn't it? Because a few weeks later, I was at the grocery store, and I came out with my cart, and I emptied all the, all the groceries into the back of the car, and I jumped into the front seat, and I'm ready to hit the button to start the car, and I start seeing things I don't recognize. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and I realize I'm in the wrong car with all my groceries. And so I jump out, and I get all the groceries out, and I get them back in the cart, and I, like, run across the parking lot. And just in time, literally, I saw these two guys walking out. I'm like, this is definitely their car. And, and sure enough, they go over. And then I start panicking. I'm like, did I take everything out that I had put in? You know, some guy jumps in. He's like, why are there 18 bottles of Dr. Pepper back here? I didn't buy those. But sometimes we give in to this in nature, right? And so really good news that you and I now have a way to say no to that sin nature. So that's what's so beautiful about what Jesus did for us. He set us free from condemnation and judgment, but he also gave us the ability to say no to sin. Because sin used to own us. And sin doesn't lead to great places. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is great news, because you want to walk in the freedom that God has for you, you know? God God wants this for us because he loves us. He wants us to walk in the freedom. Why do we want our kids to make good choices, parents? Because we want them to walk in the freedom of those good choices. We want them to not be beaten up and, and stuck because they make bad decisions. We want them to walk in freedom. And that's, what, that's the heart of God for you and I today. He wants us to walk forward. So as I talk about not giving into the sinful nature, don't feel like I'm trying to beat you up or, or you know, slap your wrist, say stop doing that. I'm trying, and God's trying more than me even, to help every one of us who have this struggle with the sin nature to walk in freedom. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, God wants you to walk in freedom too. And he wants you to know his love, and his forgiveness, but also some victory in your life when it comes to those things you and I sometimes struggle with. So I'm going to like get pretty specific today. It might get a little intense, but just remind yourself that through all this, this is not like you getting disciplined. This is a loving father wanting you to walk in freedom, okay? And so Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, and Paul was this really smart religious person that had an incredible encounter with Jesus. Everything in his life changed, and he began to write this letter to the Romans. We covered some of the the context last week of stuff he'd already said about struggling with sin. But here in Romans 8, verse 5, we find some incredible news. And Paul connects some really important dots for us right up front. Romans 8, 5 says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So, you know what Paul just told us? That what we think about incredibly impacts how we live. 
In fact, the simplest way I can say what Paul is saying here is this. When we think about sinful things, we will live in sinful ways. When we think about sinful things, we'll live in sinful ways. When we fill our minds with certain things, they're going to play themselves out. They're going to come out, right? What we fill our minds with eventually comes out in how we act. And so Paul is connecting some incredible dots here for us because he's helping us realize that, hey, what you fill your mind with and then what you think about isn't just coincidental to then how you live. No, how you live is a direct result of what you're thinking about. So Paul gives us this great strategy. He says, hey, you know what? When we think about sinful things, we live in sinful ways. When we, when we think about the sinful nature and we're just focused on what the sinful nature wants, then we end up giving into the sinful nature. Let me give you some examples, okay? Now, none of these things are inherently evil, but I think there's some things that get us in trouble. So I have this TV here, okay? Now, I like TV. I have a couple TVs in my house. I'm going to be watching the Jets make their way to the playoffs later today, uh, according to the godly nature in me that comes out, not the sinful nature. And, uh, and so, but wouldn't you say that sometimes we, this gets us in trouble? You know, again, I'm, I'm not here today to say, hey, throw your TV out. But, but maybe what we fill our minds with ends up, causing us to act out in ways we wouldn't if we weren't filling our minds with some of the stuff we see on the screen. So we see like nudity. That's going to make its way out in one way or another. We're going to act on that sexually, right? We see or or hear all kinds of terrible language. Uh, That's going to make its way out. Man, I can't stop swearing lately. Why? What have you been filling your mind with? I had a kid come up to me years ago in youth group. He said, man, I just such a problem with cursing. I curse all the time. I said, what kind of music do you listen to? What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of shows are you watching? Because that stuff's going to make its way out of you eventually. Or even just incredible violence. You know, I mean, I'm all up for like an action movie. But sometimes when we're like glorifying all of these horrific acts of violence, you know, stuff's going to start playing itself out in our lives, even if it just comes out through a temper or anger, you know? And so... If we fill our minds with sinful things, we live in sinful ways. So, so let me just ask you, I know I'm getting in your face a little bit. I'm getting in my face here too. I'm letting this hit my heart too. You know, what are we watching and, and what are we filling our minds with? Are those things going to lead us to sinful acts? Then I, another thing, again, this is a good thing. I'm very thankful for a computer. But there's a couple of ways this gets us in trouble too, right? I mean, the most obvious one would just be impure images, looking at porn or things we shouldn't be looking at. And, and man, I understand the struggles there. I understand the temptation there and the draw there and the time that we live in. It's just incredible, the access that it comes so easily. But you know what? There's some other ways that, that this can get us in trouble too that maybe we don't talk about as much. Like uh, one of the ways is what I like to call Facebook. Wow, I can't even say it. Facebook world. Facebook world is a fantasy world. I don't know if you realize this, but on Facebook world, and I have Facebook. I'm not against it. But, but on Facebook, just so you know, what we do is, is we fill our minds with thoughts about how perfect everybody else's life is, right? And we look and go, how come their house always looks like that? And how come their spouse always seems to act that way? And how come their kids seem perfect? And they're like, they're so much smarter than my kids. And, and how come, man, their house is always clean, their yard's always perfect, and the lawn's always cut. And, and how do they do that? They're taking pictures of just little parts of their life, people, and they're making it look like their whole life is perfect. And we, you know, Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all the stuff. And you know what we do then? Why is this so dangerous? Because when we're living in Facebook world, then we start looking at our lives and we start going, how come my spouse isn't perfect? And how come my house doesn't always look that good? And how come my kids don't always look that great? And now we have unrealistic expectations. Man, our marriage starts suffering and our relationship with our kids starts suffering and our joy level's a little bit stolen, no? I think another way we get ourselves in trouble with these is, 
is we just get obsessed with certain things, right? Shopping, we're looking, we're, we're, we're looking through you know, golf clubs and we're looking at purses and we're looking at bigger TVs and better cars and bigger houses and there's, there's a time to upgrade. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think so often what we do is, is we're just feeding this hunger in us, this, this sinful nature side of us that's like more will make me happy, more will make me happy, shinier will make me happy, newer will make me happy. And that's just that sin nature in us. And haven't we all gotten faster and shinier and all that stuff and we're still kind of like us? (laughs) You know, anybody ever buy anything that completely changed your life and you're like a new person after it? No. And so, again, this can just get us in trouble sometimes because we end down these roads of, or we go down these roads of uncontentment. Then, last little example I have over here of what I think the sinful nature, and this is going to be incredibly obvious as soon as I pick this up, right? Don't you all want a screen? Right? I know how badly you all want a screen. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, this represents what we think about when we look out the window. You know what I mean by that? Like, I'm a, I'm a professional looker out the window. Or this, is, this is what I do. I, if I'm sitting on the couch, man, I'm like, I'm like out the window. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. And, and I don't know if you literally look out a window or if this is just when you're driving, when you're um, at work and it's real slow, like when you're showering, just that space time you have by yourself, you have some space. And what do you think about when you're looking out the window? Right? Because I think obviously TV can get us in trouble and obviously computers can get us in trouble. But I think sometimes it's just those moments when we're just looking out the window and we're thinking about maybe an impure image or, or maybe we're having those arguments. We're winning all the arguments we lose in real life when we're looking out the window. Aren't we the best arguers when we're looking out the window? And and, and we're thinking about what so-and-so did and what so-and-so said. And, and you know what? All these different things represent the fact that we have a sinful nature that's constantly trying to drag us back down these different roads. And as long as we set our mind on these things, as long as we focus and fill our minds with impure images or violence or language or stuff I must have I become obsessed with or arguments I'm having and, and replaying in my mind, as long as we're letting that run through our minds unfiltered, then we're going to live in sinful ways. That's just the way it plays itself out. But then Paul gives us some hope. He doesn't just tell us the bad news. He doesn't just say, hey, when you think about sinful things, you'll live in sinful ways. Then he tells us the good news. Look what he says. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, those who cooperate with the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Holy Spirit desires. Okay? So suddenly we're learning, okay, it's not just about not thinking about bad stuff. It's also about thinking about things that honor God. It's about filling our minds with thoughts that the Holy Spirit would honor and would say, hey, this, this I'm about. And this I want to do in your life. And this I want to use. Well, well, I have some other things over here. I mean, the first one is going to be obviously incredibly, incredibly obvious. You're like, yeah, okay, Pastor Doug there, guy. Nice job. Bible, of course, you're going to go there. But I want this to represent communication with God, okay? Not just reading the Bible, but praying anytime you spend with God. You see, the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to lead us to truth, right? And so the Holy Spirit in you, you want to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? I can guarantee you the number one thing the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life and my life is get us in better communication with our Savior. And so opening up God's Word and say, okay, I'm going to spend some time in you. This is why I'm trying to get you to memorize Romans 8 with me as we go through this series over the next several weeks. Just trying to get it in us and, and, and praying. We can pray all day anywhere we are. Driving, every time, what if, what if you replace the thoughts out the window with prayers? What if every time you start winning an argument, you're going, God, be with that person. God, be with me. What if we start to more and more communicate? Because that's what it is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's to say, God, 
What do you want to do in my life? Okay, uh, when I have my mind set on, on sinful things, I live in sinful ways. But you know what we're seeing now is that when we have our minds set on godly things, we live in godly ways. When we think about godly things, we live in godly ways. And so when I open up God's word, more and more, I'm going to be able to live the way God wants me to. When I'm in communication with him through prayer, which is just me talking to him, and, and sometimes it's just, God, I'm really impatient today. Help me have more patience. God, I'm so sorry for the way I've been living lately. Draw me closer to you. Or God, thank you that I feel so close to you. Whatever it is, just those conversations. And more and more, I'm going to be cooperating with the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to be able to honor God with the decisions that I make. As I'm filling my mind with his word, as I'm filling my mind with conversation with him, more and more I'm going to live in godly ways. The next one, uh, you guys are not going to be able to handle the testosterone on this one. So just prepare yourselves. Here it is. Uh, yes, uh, this is Build-A-Bear. Go see Lori Giametta in New York City. Build your own bear. Um, but this, is a, this one represents love because I love that little heart bear. And Kelly showed me this cool little bedazzled foot. How legit is that? Come on. And so here we have love, okay? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that we should be filling our minds with thoughts of love, okay? So, for example... Uh, you and your spouse are always arguing, you're always fighting, or you and your spouse just think about those stupid little things that drive each other crazy, those dumb things, those one percenters. You, can, you know that most of the arguments you and I have are probably caused because of the one percent issues in our lives. Like, why do you leave the seat up? Or why do you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom? Why do you put the toilet paper on that way? Why do you parent in that way? Why did you spend that money without asking? And we focus on the one percent that drives us crazy. What if we filled our minds with thoughts of love toward our spouses? What if we, we begin to purposefully think about the things about them that we love? What if we purposefully say, man, my wife's so beautiful. She's so generous. I love her heart. I love the parent that she is. Love Who cares what she does with the toilet seat if she's that parent? Who cares what she you know, says this way or that way? Or what expression I don't like the way she, or what way, you know, way she says a word or if, if, if she's that kind of person, if she loves Jesus like she does, you know what I mean? Like, let's begin to fill our thoughts. When we start going down those roads of he does this, she does this, what if we start to fill our thoughts with, you know, I love about her this. Same with like a coworker, somebody in your office or somebody at school or a professor, somebody just drives you crazy. Just think about what do you, what's good about them. Now, now, here's the thing. Some of you are going, I have looked, Doug. They are pure evil. <laughs> there is no good. Okay, well then here's what I want you to do. If they are purely evil, which I'm not arguing with, I want you, instead of thinking of how good they are, I want you to think about how good Jesus is and how well he treated you and me when we were his enemies. Ooh, okay, different thought process, right? Different way of thinking. Just fill me with love for those that maybe I have a hard time with. Next thing on here, I just want to show you real quick. Just have this represent contentment. I want to just grab this out here because this I just want to represent contentment, a wallet, right? Um, instead of all the thoughts, there you go, build a bear. Uh, instead of all the thoughts of I must have, I must get, I must upgrade, just saying, okay, I can be content. I can be content with, with what I have. Like, begin to fill your thought with, your, your minds with thoughts of, I live on Long Island, New York. Yeah, it's really expensive and that stinks in some ways, but I live on Long Island, New York. That's crazy. I'm top 5% in the whole world, and I'm obsessing about a new what. And like I said, there's a time to upgrade. That's okay, but it's the obsessiveness, and it's the I must have, I must have, I must have, and you get, and then I must have, I must have, I must have, and you get, and it's just this cycle. But just contentment. Be able to replace thoughts of I must have with I'm so blessed. 
I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I praise God for all I have, you know. Oh, man, this part of the house driving me crazy. I praise God I have a house. Man, my car, I wish it was a little bit, you know. Oh, praise God I have a car. Just I'm thankful. I'm grateful. And so it's just a matter of literally filling our minds with the right things. And as we fill our minds with these thoughts, godly things are going to start more and more coming out of us. And so I need you to just get this visual, okay? I need you to know the truth about yourself. See, here's the truth about yourself. Just like I can, I can look at this stuff and recognize, okay, these are things that my flesh may want. And I can look over here and say, okay, these are, these are godly things that, that God may want for me. Just like I have the ability to literally turn my back on those and put my attention on these, please hear this. You have the ability to do the same in your thought life. You have the absolute ability to do the same thing. To turn your back on thoughts that are lustful. To turn your backs on, on the arguments you're having out the window. To turn your back on greed and materialism. You have the power because the Holy Spirit's in you. That's how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You go, God, I know my sin nature is driving me over this way, but I'm going to buy your spirit. I'm turning my back on that. And I'm going to fill my, my, my mind with these thoughts. And when I think about godly things, I'm going to live in godly ways. Now Paul gives us some motivation. Okay, And we're going to just jump. We've been looking at the NIV. That's normally what we use up on the screens. But we're going to look at the ESV version just for a second because I love the way it says, verse 6, Paul tells us this, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Okay, why shouldn't I live according to the flesh? Remember I said earlier, flesh is the same thing as the sinful nature. It's that part of you that's trying to pull you off course. Why shouldn't I live according to the sinful nature of the flesh? Paul, I understand I shouldn't, but why shouldn't I? He says, well, it's real easy because the flesh, the sinful nature, it leads to death. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, it means a couple things. First of all, it means that as long as you and I don't look to our Savior, Jesus, and ask for forgiveness for our sin and ask that he be our Savior and rescue us, give us life in him, it leads to death eternally, but it leads to much more death than that. It leads to death here and now. Well, how do I mean that? Well, as long as you guys... And myself, as long as we're filling our minds with sinful thoughts and living in sinful ways, I mean, just think about it, right? Our, if we're filling our minds with porn or impurity, our marriages die. That's death, right? There's a death to a marriage. There's a death to marital intimacy when we're filling our minds with things like that. When we're filling our minds with violence, right? My gentleness, my compassion, good chance are dying along with it. Our minds are filled with the newest tech, right? Contentment dies. When we're looking out the window, arguing, winning all those fake arguments, letting those grudges stay alive, relationships die. And so Paul's saying, hey, you know why you should live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh? Because, man, God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to have relationships that are dying. He doesn't want your contentment to be dying. He wants you to be finding life. But as long as we're focused on that, we end up at death. I think the clearest image that I can think of in pop culture today of this is uh, a lot of you guys don't know who Charlie Sheen is. Charlie Sheen over the last several years has made all kinds of unbelievable choices very, very publicly. And he's had all kinds of struggles. I don't fault him for struggles. I mean, he's gone through some things, but he's also just very publicly described having his mindset on sin and then living it out. He's described that as winning. You guys remember that? He said, basically what I do is I just win. Well, how do you describe winning? Well, Charlie Sheen would say, well, winning looks like being married and divorced three times, overdosing on drugs. Uh, He was arrested for assaulting one of his wives. He's dated and lived with several porn stars, several at the same time. 
Um, he found out in 2011 he was HIV positive, and since then has slept with over 200 women and is now facing possible lawsuits, been playing, paying blackmail money. Now, my heart goes out to him in some ways because he needs Jesus. He needs a Savior. He needs hope. But at the same time, I think he's a clear image of someone who's saying, hey, sin is life. Sin is awesome. Sin is great. And now let's just all look at his life and say, really? I mean, sin leads to death, no? But then there's an encouraging part of the verse here. So to set the mind on, on what the flesh desires leads to death, but look at this. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Isn't that what we're all after? Isn't that what every one of us craves? Isn't that what we all desire so badly? Life and peace. When we set our minds, when we fill our minds with godly things and we live in godly ways, we end up finding ourselves at life and peace. Man, I really thought all this other stuff was going to bring me life and peace. I thought getting more and, and upgrading and, and being able to watch whatever I want. I don't want anybody telling me what to watch, what to fill my mind with. What, that's life. No, that's not life. That leads to death. When we fill our minds with God's word and we fill our minds with things like love and contentment, we find life and we find peace when we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, right? Because now when I'm filling my my mind with thoughts about my spouse that are good, my marriage comes back alive, doesn't it? And when I'm filling my, my mind with thoughts of love toward my wife, my marriage is brought back to life and that brings me great peace. When I'm at peace with what I have, I have contentment. Is there, honestly, let's just talk for a second. Is there any greater feeling in the world than just straight up contentment? <sighs> okay, I'm at peace. I am good. I mean, just the reality of being able to say, okay, all is well. That we find in Jesus. That we find when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So when we fill our minds with what Jesus has done, when we fill our minds with the Holy Spirit, when we fill our minds with God's word, We're going to find ourselves at life and peace. And so I want to just give you a simple thought. I've actually been saying it already all throughout the message. And then I want to get real practical and ask you a couple questions and then we'll pray. But just the thought that I have for you guys today is that when we think about godly things, we live in godly ways. It's just that simple. Those are the the dots that Paul connected for us today. That what we think about will be lived out. And when we fill our mind with godly things, then we'll live in godly ways. And maybe I didn't have your prop up here. Maybe I didn't have your thing up here that you need, that thing that would characterize your struggle. But what would it be for you? You know, if you had to have a prop up here on the stage to say that tends to drag me down bad roads, what would it be? And what would your answer be? What is the thing that you know you need to begin to fill your mind with so that you live in godly ways? So two questions for you. What practical steps do we need to take to stop setting our minds on sinful things? All right, for honest, some of us need to say goodbye to a certain TV show, right? Just a certain show that we watch, it always tends to drag us down really bad places. We just can't help watch that show and end up lusting, end up in places we shouldn't be. Maybe it's a movie. Like, I'm a movie guy. I love movies. But there's just some movies we've got to go, nope, I'm not going down that road. That's not going to lead me to good places, right? I'll tell you, too, if you're into streaming stuff, there's an awesome site called vidangel.com. And you go there, you can rent a movie for a dollar or two, Stream it, and you can tell it everything you want it to take out of it. You can take out sex, you can take out nudity, you can take out language. You can even watch the first Star Wars and take Jar Jar Binks out of the whole thing. It's amazing. But vidangel.com, it's a great resource. Seriously, check it out. It's something that I've been using that's been awesome. Um, maybe it's accountability for what you're looking at online, 
right? There's another great resource. It's called triplexchurch.com. And if you go to triplexchurch.com, you can install a software on your device, your computer, and it will actually send an email to a friend that you've chosen beforehand if there's any kind of shady sites that come up, even by accident. If you come up on a site, I have some buddies I do this with, and once in a while I'll be calling somebody be like, yo, what's the site? And they'll be like, oh, I have no idea. I guess it just came up accidentally or, or another, you know, some other time. It's like, yeah, man, I had a really rough day and I gave in. Like, dude, God loves you. I love you, but knock it off. Come on. You want life and peace, you know? And so maybe that's where you got to head next. Um, maybe it's just getting off Facebook, Facebook world, that fantasy world, getting off Instagram or just getting on it less, saying I just want to be present where I am. Um, be quick to catch yourself looking out the window. Be quick to catch yourself. When this is what you start doing and you're starting to just get out in that conversation, be quick to just stop yourself and say, wait a minute, okay, I'm arguing here. I'm thinking about things I just shouldn't be, things that are going to lead me to death. I want life and peace. Some of you guys have seen that movie called The Beautiful Mind. It was with Russell Crowe. And it was a story, a true story about a guy named John Nash who was a, a genius mathematician and he worked at Princeton and he began to have these hallucinations. He, he suffered from these terrible hallucinations. He would actually see people that literally weren't there. He'd have conversations with them. True story. And so they put him on medication. They tried shock therapy, all these different things and nothing was working. It was destroying his relationships and he couldn't work. And so he decided, I am just going to reason my way through this. I'm going to realize that there are some people I meet that are really there and there are some people that I see for whatever reason because of what I suffer that are not there and I'm going to reason my way through this. And he, went, he was nominated for a Nobel Prize and so someone had to interview him and make sure that he was worth it. And this is what he said in the conversation to the man. He's very honest. He said, I still see things that are not here. I just choose not to acknowledge them. Listen to this phrase, like a diet of the mind. I just choose not to indulge certain appetites. What John Nash was saying was, there are certain things that draw, try to draw me in, that try to engage me, but I, I, I put myself on a diet of the mind, and I won't go there. And that's exactly what you and I can do because the Holy Spirit's in us. We can turn our backs on the window and the computer and the TV and say, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to fill my mind with what is godly and what will lead to life and to peace. And so what are some practical steps we need to do to get our mind off those sinful things? But now let's talk about the good. What are some practical steps we could take to fill our minds with godly things, to to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our lives? Get in the Bible. Let's open up the Bible. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one today. If you don't understand the Bible, we'd love to help you understand the Bible. Maybe it's memorizing Romans 8. Like I said, we've been working on this together, and and you can still catch up. There's plenty of time to still catch up, but we were kind of working on Romans 1 through 4 last week, Romans 8, 1 through 4. This week, we're going to do just verses 5 and 6, the two verses we talked about today. Do whatever you got to do to get them in you. I, I like to record stuff, listen back to it. I'll just listen back. I'll write it on a note card, carry it around with me. Every time I open my wallet, I'll see that verse. It reminds me to think about it again. Get it in you, whatever it might take. Maybe it's more time just talking to God. Saying, God, just fill me with love for my spouse. Fill me with love for that person that drives me nuts. Um, maybe it's just praising God for the financial blessings you have. The next time you're tempted to go down those roads of discontentment, go down the road of praise and thanksgiving for all that God's done in your life. And you know what will happen if you and I do? We're going to walk in freedom. That's what this is all about. This is not about saying, hey, you're bad people. What have you done? I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else today. God desires freedom for you and for me. And he knows what leads to death, and he knows what leads to life and peace. And if we're all real, so do we, don't we? Don't we honestly know what leads to death and what leads to life and peace? Don't we know 
We think back on life and we think about, yeah, man, that was really fun. But wait, the consequence killed it. Remember those times in your life. Then you go, wow, I was doing things God's way. I just remember I was at peace. I didn't have maybe as much money. I wasn't maybe married yet. I didn't have all these other blessings in my life. But I was so at peace. Why? Because in that time, you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And he was leading you to life and peace. This is what it looks like to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This is the first strategy I want to give you. It's that when we think about godly things, we live in godly ways. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in Jesus today. He loves you so much that he died in your place. He was judged in your place and my place so that you could know him. And he wants to change your life. And he wants to now empower you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and live a different way. Let's pray. God, we are just so grateful to you, Lord, that you've given us this amazing insight in your word that when we think about godly things, we'll live in godly ways. And I just pray you'll help us. And I pray no one will walk out of this room feeling condemned today. Because the verses we looked at last week said there is no such thing as condemnation for those who have a close relationship with Jesus. And so I pray no one will walk out of here saying, yeah, man, I'm a mess up, I'm a failure, I look at this, I do that, I always want stuff. No, help us to walk out of here today, God, praising you that you've saved us, praising you that you've rescued us, but now wanting to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so help us with these areas we struggle with. Pray for those areas of our mind that tend to go down those roads that we know you don't want us to go down. And honestly, we don't even want to go down in the long run. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just take a second and would you think about what your thing is? Think about what your struggle is. And think about what thoughts you need to replace that struggle with in your mind. What do you need to do? Do you need to be more in God's word? Do you need to talk to God more in those moments of temptation? Do you need to um, ask God to fill your mind with thoughts of gratitude for what you have or whatever it might be? But walk out of here with a strategy today to change your thought process so that you can live in godly ways. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I would love for you to put your trust in him. You can just begin the conversation with God, something like this. You can pray just silently if you want to. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Thank you for being judged in my place. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising back from the dead. I pray, God, now that you'll begin to change my life and that you'll begin to help me cooperate with the Holy Spirit that you're putting in me right now. Thank you for your incredible love. In your name I pray, amen.